good to be here finally. Um, many of you have asked me if I've settled in yet, and the answer is somewhat. <laughs> we still have tons of boxes to go through, and um, the poor staff here at the church uh, during the week, the whole office was turned upside down, and somebody swung by and asked, hey, what are you doing? I said, creating chaos. <laughs> Um, but it's getting better now, and uh, we are grateful for that. Um, on behalf of Soshi, I, if you haven't met Soshi, Soshi, could you please stand? And um, I want to introduce you to my beautiful bride, Soshi. Um, I have uh, my son, Aaron. I don't see him. Oh, there he is. He's up on the balcony, um, so you can't see him there. And then my son, Michael, who's on the camera, taking some random shots of today. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your prayers. We've uh, needed them, we've coveted them, and uh, there's been great evidence that God has been at work and answered prayers. Uh, at what might seem like that last minute or that last hour, God used it to once again, God comes through faithfully, not in our time, but in his time. And uh, what was it, so uh, a few days right before we were going to come back to California to make our final transition, we received a cash offer on the house, which is scheduled to close at the end of this month, so we, or sooner, we're hoping sooner, but, but uh, what a great treat, what a great joy for us to be able to be released from everything that was holding us back in Minnesota and be here fully engaged in Clovis. So it's an honor. Friends, would you join me in prayer as we are going to dive into Scripture? And I am excited, and I've been just so excited because I've been reading and reading and reading and reading. Hopefully, I don't sound like an encyclopedia or a book here. I want this to be personal. I want, I want to share from my heart what God has been sharing with me in my journey through the book of Colossians. And I hope you would join me as we journey through the book of Colossians together and explore the many truths and the many insights that the Lord has for the 21st century body of believers and locally here in Clovis for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you because you are faithful. Thank you because you love us, you care for us, and you cared so much for us that a little over 2,000 years ago, you demonstrated that love on a cross in the person of your blessed and glorious Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, because of his work, because of him, we can stand and sing joyfully. We can stand before you confidently. And we can also journey and walk together towards you as a redeemed community. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for making all of this possible. And we would pray, Lord, as you lead us into this next phase of ministry together. That in all things, Lord, in all things as we have that in the sign. And this is our mission of the church for Clovis E.V. Free, that in all things Christ supreme, that he would be the Lord, that he would be our Savior, that it is his name that we proclaim, that it is his name that we lift up high, that it is his banner we raise unto the nations that are now migrating 
into the Central Valley. Lord, if it pleases you, use us, provide for us, uh, stir the hearts of your people. Father, uh, rekindle and, and, and bring awareness to the spiritual gifts that you have provided to this local bride. And Lord, to the many who may come through the doors of this church, may they find a warm reception, a loving community that proclaims the name of Jesus Christ above anything else. Lord, may this be our heart. May this be our prayer. Now, Father, prepare our minds and our hearts to receive from your wonderful word. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Well, friends, let's dive into the scripture. So I want to invite you to open up your Bibles, if you will, for a minute, uh, to the book of Colossians. And rather than being academic and going through this uh, systematic teaching, I want to go ahead and um, I borrowed from the approach of John Piper. So I, I said, you know, I don't want to, you know, sound like this bookworm just giving, spitting out all this information. Rather, let's just get into the text and let the text speak to us. And then as we're going through the text, let's just go ahead and discover some of the facts that are relevant to our understanding of the scriptures. So what I would like to do this morning is let's go ahead and uh, consider a few things, and then, and then uh, let's go ahead and read from the text that we're going to um, sit on for at least this Sunday and the following Sunday. So the letter of Colossians was directed to this specific group of believers of a city in what we would know now as modern-day Turkey called Colossae. Now, Colossae, um, hey, many things are, are interesting about Colossae because, um, so for one, um, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who is writing this letter to the believers of Colossae, um, some believe, had never met them. And this we, we read, for example, in Colossians 2.1. Where he says this, he says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea. And for all who have not seen me face to face. face, to face. Hence, that's why I called this greetings from a stranger. Because in many ways, I too am a stranger to you. Prior to coming here, you did not know me. Yeah, we can say, well, we used a, a search committee and then we found you through the free church and the network. That's great, but you didn't know me personally. And so in many ways, I, like the Apostle Paul, had not seen all of your faces. And now I get to see you and now you get to see me. And what a wonderful thing that we can encourage each other in the name of Jesus Christ. So, so, again, that, that, that's something clear that, that we want to just, a um, uh, uh, little insight there. Something also very interesting, uh, you, you caught this uh, right in the text, right? Lodicea. When you think of Lodicea in the church of Lodicea, what comes to mind? For me, when I read that, Revelation chapter 3. Remember? Uh, Revelation chapter... So, so, as the angel is speaking to the churches, right... Uh, the church of Laodicea was, was mentioned there. And what was particular about the church in Laodicea? Well, um, I, if I recall, uh, they were believers who were lukewarm. They were neither 
passionate and hot for, for the things of God, and they were not that frozen, like we call them in Minnesota, the frozen chosen, but, but, but they were somewhat cold, so they were like kind of in between. You know, that's, that's very interesting because that's a very, um, uh, a, a real thing in the 21st century. Um, uh, some people live their lives like, ah, you don't need the church or you don't need to be part of a community. And, and so they're, they're kind of idle. And, and that's the type of lax uh, attitude that this is that, that Revelation chapter 3. So it's funny that, well, it's not funny, but it's interesting that they're also mentioned in this. In fact, um, if you do some, some um, observations on a map, Right, you find that to the east was uh, of, of uh, Colossae, to the east was uh, Ephesus, and then to the west was Laodicea. And then, if you do some analysis on topography, you'll find out that uh, Colossae was somewhat in a valley next to a river. So, at one time, Colossae was uh, a very prospering and thriving. Um, economy and, and, and a strong city. In fact, some of the stuff that they did there was uh, they specialized in fine wool. And, and so, you know, their, their economy was, 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 was great. Something had happened. In fact, um, I think it was um, one of these uh, um, ancient um, Greek historians, uh, historians by the name of, uh, let's see if I don't massacre his name. So forgive me if I do. Uh, Herodotus. Herodotus. There you go, Herodotus. Eh, somewhere close there. You get it. Mentioned in his writings that Xerxes, during the Persian Wars, stopped in Colossae with his army. So that's how influential, influential Colossae was. It, it, it was. it was a major uh, um, uh, part of the commerce of that time. And so it, it had some importance, but something happened. It dwindled down. It's like all things, all kinds of organizations. They go up and then they go down. Some of them never go back up again. Some of them die. And it's like many things here. So um, that's very interesting note to know. Now, Something else about Colossae that we also need to, to, to kind of relate and, and have in the background, right? Uh, these are part or they form a collection of imprisonment letters. So you get letters like Philippians or Ephesians or uh, uh, Colossians. And, and then um, next to Colossians, we don't think about it. But if you get a chance during this week, I invite you to get a cup of coffee or tea. Uh, um, well, you know, Latinos, we usually get don't get bread. We get uh, tamales and coffee. Uh, but but uh, if you want to do a pastry or something, that's okay. The thing is, you know, you want to spend some time in Scripture. And, and something you're going you're gonna to find out about, about, uh, about Colossae, we don't think about this, but if you, if you have time, read the book of Philemon. Because Philemon lived in Colossae. And Philemon uh, describes the story of a man called Onesimus, who's also mentioned in Colossians. And this is, this, is, this is radical stuff, friends, because it helps us understand some of the teachings of Christ and the supremacy and the preeminence of Jesus. When we say in all things Christ supreme, there's going to be some things that we need to focus on and ask ourselves. Is Christ supreme or superior 
than my perception of church? Or is Christ supreme greater than my own beliefs? Is Christ greater than my own traditions? Is Christ greater than the way I do church? Huh? So some of these things are just... Is, I had to ask my question early on. I asked myself, is Christ greater than the tradition of my machismo that I got from Latin America? Is he? Customs, traditions, thoughts, paradigms, mentalities attitudes, and, and so on and on and on. So these are some of the questions that, that have to be asked. Now, something interesting also, Paul didn't write the book of Colossians, oh, I'm sorry, Paul wrote the book of the, the letter of Colossians or the book of Colossians, um, but as I said, he hadn't started the church. And many scholars believe it was a, a gentleman by the name of Epaphras. Um, and there we read it in uh, Colossians 1.7, where it says, Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And if you observe verse 8, if you observe verse 8 in Colossians 1.8, And he has made known to us your love in the, in the Spirit. Beautiful description of of, of different individuals in the book of Colossians that we're going to learn about and consider and process and, and just mull over. And how does all this make sense to us? So um, something else here. It is possible there that, that Paul um, didn't know these, these brothers in Colossae. However, it was Epaphras who made known to him, hey, Paul, something's going on there. I need you to write a letter to the believers there in Colossae. Something is happening. Now, again, here's what we know for certain. We know Paul was in prison. Some people debate whether he was in Ephesus or in Rome. I tend to believe he was in Rome. That's what makes more sense to most scholars, and, and that's what makes more sense to me. Whether you believe he was in Ephesus or he was in Rome, that's up for debate. None of us have to end up being right on that point. However, one thing we all agree on, Paul was in prison. Prisons back then were not like the prisons of today. Today, prisons have a lot of amenities. Um, you know, they have computers and libraries and good food and haircuts. In fact, you could be imprisoned in, in today's world and have... Fully health care benefits. Uh, I don't think Paul had those types of perks. <laughs> However, he, he, he seized on the opportunity to not be idled in prison. Or, be, or just really go down this spiral of just negativity. Like I can imagine Paul crossing his arms and saying, well, fine then. I don't need to do anything. Uh, the gospel and I'm, 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 you know, I'm preaching the sound doctrine. And, and, but you know, I'm being imprisoned unjustly. So God, you better find somebody else. No, he was a busybody. He seized the opportunity while his circumstances were negative. He seized on the opportunity to write letters. Thus, or hence, we get the product of Colossians. So, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to focus on verses 1 and 2. And, and then we're going to run through this because time is of essence. And, and um, um, 
I don't want to keep you here past an hour. <laughs> but here, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And Timothy, our brother, verse 2, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from our God, from God, our Father. Um, question has to ask, and here's some few observations. And we're not going to answer all these, but um, hopefully some of the, the, the information will help you. Who was Paul? Well, we read about here that Paul, in verse 1, the very first word says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Well, we know Paul was born, his Hebrew name was Saul, Saul of Tarsus. We know that he was a Pharisee under Jerusalem, in Jerusalem under a religious leader by the name of Gamaliel, who was probably the guru of his time for law and, and the Torah, and he was the, the guy that everyone wanted to be part, a student of. Paul was a student. We know that Paul became a traveling missionary, a preacher in, in the early part of the church. We know that um, he worked as an um, artisan who made tents. We know that he was imprisoned multiple times by the Roman authorities. And we also know that he wrote uh, uh, theological writings for the church that we have in the New Testament. We also know, if we do an analysis of Paul, that he died sometime in Rome. He was martyred around the year 62 to 64. But I want you to hear it from Paul's own words, as recorded by Dr. Luke in Luke chapter 22, verses 3 through 5. He, this is Paul's description of himself. Acts chapter 22, verses 3 through 5. I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia. But brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. I persecuted the way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the to the brothers, and I journeyed towards Damascus to take those also who, who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. This Paul seems to be a bad guy. Well, he was. He was a persecutor, being zealous for God, passionate about the laws. Consider other descriptions. Look, look how Paul described himself to the believers in Rome. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Look how he addressed himself or identified himself to the church in Corinth. Paul, called by the uh, will of God, uh, 1 Corinthians 1.1. 1, 1. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother um, Sosthenes. And look how he introduced himself in the, in the, in the uh, writings in Ephesians, Ephesians 1.1. 1, 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Somebody, somebody uh, a scholar wrote this in, in, in description of uh, Paul. He declares himself an apostle on par with Jesus' first disciples. How is that? Well, Paul was born around the, the same time that Jesus was, but he was in part of the original 12. 
An apostle of that time was one who was commissioned by the Lord himself. Well, Paul didn't walk with Jesus. So how could he call himself or how could he consider himself to be on par with the apostles? In that time, apostolic teaching was the authority of the church. Well, a little hint, if you study um, Acts chapter 9, as just somewhat described here, Paul was on his way to Damascus. He was going to go persecute the Christians when all of a sudden he encountered the living, the resurrected Christ. Huh? Um, so, secondly, we need to consider um, the will of God. Uh, notice this, that in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, but notice the, the phrase, that, that the description that's given us, by the will of God. So we understand that apostle is one who has been sent, uh, an emissary, a representative, a, an ambassador. Um, but look what uh, Paul even says of, about himself in 1 Corinthians 1.17. For Christ did not send me to baptize once again. Who sent him? Christ. The Lord, the risen, uh, the risen Savior that he encountered on the road to Damascus. He sent him not to just baptize, but to preach the gospel. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Um, once again, he, he gives another description in Acts 9.15. But the Lord said to him, go for, he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry uh, my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And once again, in Acts chapter 22, verses 14 through 15, and he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear um, a voice from his mouth. Uh, for you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. Once again. Paul describing his conversion to King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26, verses 16 and 17. Uh, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those to which I will appear to you, delivering you from the, your people from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to. So he was commissioned. Paul was commissioned. Even in his this famous description of the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses uh, 1 through 11. I'm not going to read all of them, but that's for your reference. In verses 8, last of all, he says, last of all, as to one untimely born. Because Paul recognized he wasn't part of the original. He wasn't there to see Jesus come, uh, performing all those miracles. He wasn't there at the resurrection he was part of the, the elite religion of his time. Yet, he would say, least of all, in 1 Corinthians 15, 8, least of all, as to one who was untimely born, he appeared also to me. And in verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. Third, we are introduced to a gentleman by the name of Timothy, our brother. What beautiful description. I, I love this familial language that, that, that Paul use, uses here in Colossians. Why? Well, of all the people that, that, that 
in, that uh, uh, was around Paul. Timothy had a special place. Timothy is mentioned and he has a special role. Some people believe that he co-authored some of the letters for Paul because Paul uh, suffered uh, from blindness, uh, that Second Corinthians chapter 12, where he pleaded with the Lord, and, and three times the Lord told him no, and finally the, the Lord told him there in Second Corinthians chapter 12, my grace is sufficient. Some people think that grace that Paul needed was, or some people think that he had severe arthritis because he couldn't write, so he needed some, some uh, like a secretary, if you will. Well, whatever the case is, we know that Timothy is described to us as a dear brother. Uh, Romans 16, 21, it says, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So does Lucius and Jason and Sostipater, um, my kinsmen. Um, we know that in, in Acts chapter 16, verses 1 to 3, um, in Lystra, in Derby of Lystra, that's where Timothy was found by Paul. And, and something very interesting, I'm not going to read all of it. You can go back in references, but, but listen how Luke describes it there in, in 16.1 of, of Acts. He says, um, Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Oh, we forgave him because he was Greek. That's okay. But verse 2, he was well-spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and, I in, and Iconium. What an interesting description there. And, and, and furthermore, Paul just continues to just um, uh, describe the Timothy, his love, and whatnot. Fourth, we need to look at this observation um, in the text. Brothers in Christ. Notice how Paul in, in verse 2, so you get Colossians 1, verse 1, and then verse 2, and he addresses this letter to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Then he says, grace to you and peace from our God the Father. Now, I wish I had more time to unpack this, but here's what I'm going to say about this. Notice the interesting words, saints and faithful brothers in Christ. Saints and faithful. Now, what is a saint? How, how is Paul using the word saint here? Is it like, okay, I'm holier than thou because I get to stand in the pulpit? I, I, I don't think so. I don't think that's what Paul is alluding to, to sainthood here. I, I think if you an, uh, do an analysis of the original language, he is basically saying those who are called to form part of the believers or the redeemed community. Those who are set apart. And so this helps us, and it's very interesting because he's not speaking to everybody. That would be universalism. But he's speaking to those who have been elected or selected or called out to form part of this church in Colossae. And then you'll know that the letter wasn't just specifically for the believers in Colossae, because at the end of the letter, he, he asked them to go share it with the brothers in Laodicea. So... We get that this is, this is to the holy and, and, and the holy ones, the family of God. The, the nature of believers' commitments described one author. And membership is defined by the means of the char characteristic of Pauline formula. Notice, to the saints and faithful brothers. But here, here's, here's the formula that Paul uses and consistently throughout all his writings. In Christ. 
in Christ. Say that with me, in Christ. That's the qualifier there. In Christ. So the, the believers in Colossae, very much like this morning's class on discipleship. Thank you, David. That was a phenomenal class. And if you're not part of it, I would encourage you every Sunday morning at 9, come and be and come and learn. But, but something happened in Colossae. They were taught about their standing, their position, their, their, their new life in Jesus. And something had happened. Some of, we're we're going to learn about this. I, I, like many other people believe, there was a form of syncretism that was creeping into the church. That said, hey, Christ is preeminent, but you need this. You, you, you need this other form of teaching and doctrine and tradition belittling the work and the person of Jesus. And so that for us is very important. That's going to be a reoccurring theme. Um, here's another one. And again, when you, when you take time to unpack even this, this text further, um, here's a, a number of things that will remind us about the supremacy of Christ. The peace and reconciliation that we receive in Jesus uh, found in Colossians 1, 20 and 23. I'm not going to read it. You can go there and, and dig through it, the scripture. How about peace, the peace of Christ? Jesus says, I give you peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding in John chapter 14. But here in Colossians 3.15, Paul would say, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You know, I, I tend to forget that, and I, I have to apologize to my wife and my sons because, you know, this moving thing is really, it, it presses your buttons. And attitudes flare up. And then pressures go on. Right? You've been there. <laughs> and we have to remind ourselves and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. This is, friends, this is phenomenal because over the next few weeks, we're going to consider this and how this, this, this impacts all of our, the, the dimensions of our life. How about the unity of all believers in Christ, Colossians 3.11. Here is, this is phenomenal. Okay, Colossians 3.11. Here, here, in Christ, in the body, here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave, free, but check this out. But Christ is all and in all. Not pantheism. He's not in that tree. And We're not saying that. But in the body of Christ, who's here? Jesus himself. And, and, and this is beautiful. Why? Why this? Because there's this new humanity that in Jesus, oh, it's not Pastor Pablo. It's Brother Pablo. I'm not higher than you. I'm not, I'm not more superior than you. In Christ, you and me, we're par and par. I am your brother. You are my sister. And, and, and notice, the, 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 notice the social construct of that time. Oh, if you were a woman or if you were a widow, too bad. You were like below the totem pole. If you were a slave, you were dirt. You were, you were worse than that. The gospel, as we're going to learn, 
destroys all kinds of social stratification. So that in Jesus, it's not man or woman, free or slave, Latino or white, black or Asian. It's one. Because Christ, in all things, is supreme. And this is the gospel that, that rattled. Something was happening in Colossae that they, they, they started adding all these conditions and traditions and beliefs and mannerisms. And Paul is writing to them because he received the news and telling them, whoa, time out. Let's go back to the basics. Kind of like what we're doing, David. Let's go back to the basics. I don't care how long we've been in the gospel. We all need to be reminded of the foundation. And our foundation is Jesus Christ. And so, he gives instructions for slaves. He gets into the social mess of the day. He starts getting into, if you've never studied ancient slavery, man, that's a great read. I did that in one of my last classes at seminary. It was phenomenal. I want, I'm, I can't, I'm excited to go back and dig further. But in Colossians 3, 22 through 4, 1, he unpacks that, that social stratification of his time. And again, I invite you to read the book of Onesim, uh, uh, Philemon, because if Colossae and, and, and Philemon go hand in hand as they do, along with Ephesians, how... And what was Paul telling Philemon about his new view of not his runaway slave, but his fellow brother in Christ? It's an interesting thing. Because Philemon and Paul, Philemon was Paul's spiritual son. Onesimus ran away. He was somehow captured and ended up in prison with Paul wherever he was at. And Onesimus became Paul's spiritual son. And Paul at some point told them, you know what? You need to go back and face the truth. You need to go back and make things right. You need to go back now that you found Jesus and reconcile yourself to, to, to your former master. The caveat there is that Paul knew Philemon and says, hey, I want you to take... Interesting, when you read the book of Philemon, he, he, he calls him a brother in Christ. But in Colossae, he calls him a fellow servant of the Lord. So there's something for us to learn there. Finally, let me, let, me, let me leave you with just these three takeaways very quickly. I'm not going to spend too much time in them. First, God uses people outside of our known sphere to encourage us. Paul wasn't within their sphere. God used an outsider. Sometimes we need that too. Church, may we never limit ourselves only by those who are in. May we be open because God, we never know. It's kind of like that old story I, I had read one day of this little old lady who was praying, asking God for food. I mean, this is old. I don't even remember where it came from. But I heard it and I read it. That little old lady was just like, God, please, I need food. And these young kids heard, heard her praying to God and wanted to make a mockery out of her. And, 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 you know, they buy these grocery bags and set it on her doorbell, ring her doorbell. And she's like, oh, praise the Lord, he supplied. And then all of a sudden, these kids jump out of the bushes and say, ha, 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 see, your God didn't supply, we did. So the little old lady said, 
oh, Lord, thank you for using these little, uh, I don't know, I think she said demons or, 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 or to, to bless and supply this food. Sometimes we think God could only use the redeemed. But yet when we read scripture, and this is hard to reconcile. Pharaoh was called the servant of the Lord. Pharaoh? Pharaoh was, is an image of a person who, oh, how could he? He committed genocide. Nebuchadnezzar destroyed God's people, took them into captivity, yet he was called the servant of the Lord. So sometimes we think that God only works in one way, and we box him up, but God works in various ways. And Colossae probably had a perception of what type of person they viewed as a, and here comes Paul, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a man well-versed in the law, a persecutor of the church. Oh, how could we use you? You're excellent. You were with that group of people. Yet Paul was used of God in a mighty way to bring back the church unto the preeminence of Christ. I hope that would be our story. I hope that we too would embrace the supremacy, the preeminence, the lordship of Jesus Christ. When Christ, I, I said this to a group of friends, when Christ is not the center of our conversation, we tend to look at our deficiencies. When Jesus is not the center of what we do, we look at our weaknesses. We look at our limitations. And this is what Paul was getting at to the friends in Colossae. Uh, secondly, uh, it is the will of God that ultimately forms the local gathering of Jesus' followers. Notice, it's so easy for us to say, oh, you're not welcomed here. Oh, you're not welcomed here. Oh, you're not welcomed here. But you know what? How do we know that that person that God is bringing is not the one he wants to form part of this church? So my question to you, will you be ready when homosexuals visit the congregation? Will you be ready when, when, when the ex-gangsters, the ex-criminals, how about the pedophiler, how about those who are down and out are seeking restoration? Will you embrace them in the name of Jesus? That's a hard question. It's easier said than done. But let me tell you, when I was church planting and I saw these men living in the fields, coming to church all dirty and smelly, and, and, and you know what? We don't care about their look or their appearance or whew, sometimes the smell. But we are called to embrace them in the name of Jesus, love them, and help find restoration for their souls. It's easier said than done, friends. But the day is coming, and they will come. And we have to ask, is he greater than? And this is the questions that, that began to, to surface in Colossae. And finally, uh, um, again, finally, and, and then I want to pause just to share one, one thing, and I promise I won't take this long next time. Gospel communities should be known for their holiness and faithfulness to God and to each other. Friends, we live in a society that doesn't practice holiness. And man, there's a scarcity of faithfulness. I talk to friends who are in business, both in Minnesota and here in California. They can't find workers. 
They, don't, they can't find employees to fit many positions. I'm sure many of you have seen that in your jobs. People don't hang around too long anymore. They're not committed. How about marriages? I've, I've, I've heard and read, unfortunately, even in the church, where one spouse just abandons the marriage altogether. Where's the faithfulness at? Even in churches, members leave. They're gone. Where's the commitment? Who is the commitment to? I would pray that our commitment is not to Pastor Pablo because I'm going to let you down. I hope your commitment isn't to just another relationship because they're going to let you down. I hope your commitment would be drawn to Christ. As we sang, thank you, Caesar. He will not fail. He will not fail. In all my years since I was nine years old, walking with Jesus, he has not failed me yet. Friends, in 2018, my heart failed. I have a pacemaker. You don't believe me? I'll let you touch it. <laughs> that could rock your faith. Why? If I'm doing the good things of the Lord, why? But you know what? He was faithful. He was faithful. And just as he was faithful to me, he will be faithful to you. I am so grateful to be here. Thank you for your generosity, your love for me, your care for my family and me. We were so overwhelmed with the moving, I call it the big rolling turd, when it pulled up there to my house. Uh, um, and I saw the sign. Thank you, Catherine, for the, for the sign and the balloons. And Donald, or Dr. Smith. <laughs> I found out, of, of, just said, thank you for organizing and coordinating that. That, that was very special. And, and you know what, friends? We want to do the same thing in your house, in your situation. If you're, I love the prayer. I want you to know I pray and, I, and I'm praying for all the prayer requests coming through that I get. And just know that I'm praying. And if you ever need to talk to me, um, Janet, you know, you came to my office. I said, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I'm here. I might not be available always, but I'm there. And um, I want that for you. Uh, I'm not the person who was here before. I'm Pablo Cachon, and I love Jesus. And um, please forgive me, but one thing I will do is encourage you to follow Jesus, not follow me. Let's all follow Jesus. And it may be hard or firm sometimes, but you know what? I have learned in life. If I help you follow Jesus, then you can wrestle with him and not me. <laughs> It takes the, the attention off of me, and, and that's a good thing. I'm okay with that. Let's, let, let, let's stand up. And uh, friends, I'm going to stop right now. I took more time than I should have. Uh, but uh, thank you for your patience. Thank you. And, and thank you for allowing me to speak from my heart. Um, and I hope that next week, as we study verse 2, um, I really want to focus in on the person of Christ. Because Paul really talked about in Christ. And I think sometimes, again, as we're processing who Jesus is, sometimes we lose sight and he becomes some type of religious thing at church or creed. But Jesus is more than a creed. As we're going to read in Colossians, 
He's our philosophy. Paul wasn't against philosophy. Because Christ is the mystery and the wisdom of God. If Christ be our philosophy, if Christ be our tradition, if Christ be our all in all, if Christ is our Lord, oh, blessed Jesus, he will call men and women. He will call others unto him. He even said himself, if I be exalted, I will draw men unto me. What do you need from the Lord this morning? Friends online, listening to this sermon, what do you need? What, what, what is the greatest need of your life right now? And I would say Jesus is greater than your need. Are you down and out? I was. I was even at nine years old. I was searching. What are you searching for? What do you need? And I'll tell you, I can tell you, I can point you in the right direction. A man from Galilee, he came and he rocked the world and he could rock your world too. Would you let him? If you do, all you have to say is, Lord, I give you my life just as I am. It's yours. I believe it with, with my heart and I confess it with my mouth that the Father raised you on the third day. And I believe that. And if you believe that, today you have been born again. Today is the new day. Today you become a new creation. Today oh, the Spirit of God has now made you His temple. And if you made that prayer, friend, would you let us know? We want to journey with you. We're a motley crew just following Jesus. That's all we are. Old, young, white, black, skinny, fat, short, tall. We're not perfect. We don't have it all together. Some of us have bad hearts. Some of us have bad backs. Some of us, oh, we're all just messed up. But Jesus loves us, and he loves you too. And if you allow us, we want to be part of your family and love you, even though you don't want us to love you. We want to love you. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.